Magoni's a goal scorer. What about Dante? Dante's his own breed. Give me two seconds, Eichel and Svetch, and I'll be coming at your neck. Richard Zednick, laugh past the breadstick, or Tammy will bury. Send him on his merry way, lest it's on carry. What's sadder than KK's broken spleen? Leafs fan with hopes and dreams. Rick Moose is back for season three with hot takes like you wouldn't believe. I'll block shots. I rescind that. You've never blocked a shot for me. Now let's turn it over to the host of the show. His character's high, but his skill level's low. Kid back checks like you don't even know. Championship flow, Jonathan Quick is a schmo. Yeah. Oh, hello there. Tis the season. Last year was like treason. Stanley Cup, or like a COVID cup. The year of Cooper was more a big blooper, like Ferris Bueller in a brand new cruiser. Now my car is a star, moves like a sports car He can sauce like a boss and crisscross like Art Ross He's peanut butter smooth like Quinn Hughes And a work of art like that upstart Carter Hart Mmm, that's good kokanee right there So in comes Keith, will the boys be Leaf? Can Jumbo Joe and Austin Smoe avoid another repeat? It's time to start the show, so turn up the stereo Put your feet up, relax, enjoy a Bud Light Jack Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to our show, the Rink Moose Hockey Podcast, a weekly epi- or bi-weekly ep- episodic podcast where two good pals get together and discuss all things NHL and their implications in the fantasy hockey universe. universe. I am one of your hosts, as always, Nick Costu, along with this annoying schmuck on the other side of the screen. <laughs> Kyle Nice, I call him uh, I call him the ultimate fantasy fan because he is officially <laughs> he is eliminated out of fantasy and every night he is eating his popcorn cradled in his couch watching the fantasy results unfold and he just gets to chirp everybody. So how are you enjoying this new lifestyle, Kyle? You know what I'm going to call myself and that's that's actually incredibly spot on of you mm-hmm. to say because I have not been any more invested in fantasy hockey than I have been in the last few <laughs> weeks, which I just find weird as hell. Like leaning up to the playoffs, I was kind of half half in the bag interested. Yeah. But ever since like the last week came by, it's been amazing to watch, to follow. We've had a great year uh, in these last few weeks. And uh, at the end of this all, I will call myself the greatest silver medalist of this fantasy hockey season. Nice. And I think you know where I'm going with this. Because the winner will be the winner. The winner gets the money. The winner gets the glory. But uh, everyone else is a loser. And I'm coming away with the most draft picks. Right. So I feel like I'm going to be winning second place regardless of what happens. You, you have put yourself in the most advantageous <clears throat> position for sure. And, and what's, what's even better is I don't think anyone's ever going to be able to recreate the magic that I've created this year. Because we're probably going to amend some of these rules. <laughs> And uh, and that's all I have to say, you know. I've got my my yeah. dog vest on, and and uh, and I'm feeling good. You, you have you have room for you have the most margin for error out of any manager heading into the next draft. That's true. You have you could absolutely fuck up many of your picks yep. because you yep. have multiple picks in the fourth, the fifth, the sixth. It's it's getting out of hand. It is getting out of hand. I totally agree. 
And uh, and if I are if I am to if I don't win next year, put it this way, the pressure's incredibly high. If I don't win next year, I'm a I'm a laughing stock of of the league. You're like the there's no stock. excuse, wow. absolutely no excuse. Okay. None. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, lots of pressure, and it'll of course be led by young Alexi Lafreniere. It's it's fun. You you are you are the New York Rangers. Like you, 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 you have this prospect tucked away. He's not going to produce all often right now, but he's, he's tucked away. And then you have all the, you're going to have with all these picks, you're going to have all these skilled veterans, like the, the, the Panarins and the Zabanajads and the Criders and the Buchnevichs of the world, you know, okay. and, and they're going to be, in, you're going to take pressure off the kid and, and it's yep. going to be a great team. Yeah. Well, before you go any further, let me get this clear on the record. I'm not taking a Bush Navich or even a Mika Zibanejad. I can only take so many Rangers. These guys frustrate me to no end. Now that I watch every game, it's it's right. it's quite annoying. It is quite yeah. annoying. Well, yeah, just to get everyone in the loop, lots of anxiety right now. Uh, <laughs> I have a shutout going with 10 minutes left in the third period in a, of a Rangers and Islander game. You uh, checked? I'm going to keep checking, but I don't want to hear it from you. What? Um, I can stop checking, but I, I'm just I, I'm just glued to my phone. I'm not. Well, I can't watch these games. So so let me get this out of the way for the kids out there. Two lessons I have for everybody based on how my week is going. I'm, I'm in a semifinal matchup. I was down. Uh, I'm, I'm now losing the matchup four to two. That's better. Um, four to two. Uh Interesting. Something. Okay. Yeah. Four to two. It's better. I was losing seven, one this morning. Here's my advice for the kids out there before I get your take on how my week's been going. Yeah. Do not. uh, Lesson number one. Do not be too smart for your own good. I, I, I have outsmarted myself. Nick, I, I I have, I have tried to be Mr. I'm ahead of the fucking curve. (laughs) I, as, as the first place team in this league, I was selling assets last week thinking I had margin to sell assets. I acquired a fourth round pick for Marc-Andre Fleury. The reason I did that was because I was like, well, Vegas has tough matchups. I don't need two Vegas goalies. I can afford to pick up Brian Elliott. He's got great matchups, and I'm just going to roll with Brian Elliott. And it blew up in on, on my face game one Monday. And, and that's when I told myself, you got to stop being too smart for your own good. You trust the guys who got you to where they are, to where you are, you, you stick with them. You stick with your glue guys, your character guys like Flurry, and, and you play them with confidence, regardless of the matchups. And Flurry put on a great performance last night. I was kicking myself the whole time. And Brian Elliott, like I said, five goals allowed on Monday, totally destroyed my splits. And I'm now trying to, to, to redeem myself slowly but surely. So that's my advice. Do not be too smart for your own good. Trust your assets and, and, and stop, stop playing. Like, like I dropped Roman Yossi today. Like I'm totally right. out. I'm I'm yeah. I'm way out of the wahoo wahoo. Here. Like I, <laughs> I I I I'm trying to be way too smart for myself. Oh, advice advice number advice number two, for the kids <laughs> out there. Do not watch the games you have goalies playing in. It is way too much mm. anxiety, and it's not mm-hmm. worth it. Because if they're right. getting lit up, you're just kicking yourself, and you're just you're hurting yourself. And if things are going well, you're still fucking nervous because you know, you expect something to go poorly. And I, yeah. I expect this, sh- I'm going to lose the shutout in the next 10 minutes and, and, and everyone's going to get a live reaction of my, of my, of, of, of who I am when my misfortunes kick in. 
So <laughs> oh, those, this is great. That, that's my advice for everybody. Just <clears throat> stay off the fucking NHL game center when your goalies are playing. Do something else. Like do fucking watch a movie. Do something else. And 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 lesson number two, like it's almost and lesson number two, don't be too smart for your own good. But mm-hmm. it 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 I it's made you it's made me not like fantasy, like having to watch right. these games. These playoffs, it's too much anxiety, and I just I almost want to be knocked out just because I it's taking up too much of my attention, you know? Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. And and I gotta credit your self-awareness for this uh this analysis here because what I was gonna ask you is I was gonna say, Nicholas, you have been uh, too smart for your own good. This bye week has made you overthink the entire playoff season, and uh, and it's all gonna it's all gone south so far. I mean, you still have you know a ton of hope, all that, but uh, the flurry thing was a head scratcher for me. As soon as you brought it up, I was like, man, I didn't question it because I'm not like I'm not really looking that hard at what the, what the situation is, but I was I was pretty surprised at that, and and and. Nick, this is another example of, of trying to, uh, to outsmart the system. You wanted to wait till the 11th hour mm-hmm. for this Cal Peterson thing. Yes, sir. This, this trade that went through, and it ended up uh, resulting in Michael going to sleep. <laughs> Otherwise, you and, and, and Nick, <laughs> it ended up like your, your dance partner went to sleep and it didn't go through. <laughs> it's crazy. Because you wanted to wait till the last Until the minute. 11th hour, yeah. Yes. So that, that's what... That's my third piece of advice. Like <laughs> yeah. whenever the trade that like, don't be the guy being like, oh, I'm going to wait to see how the market materializes. I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to I'm going to take advantage of my dance partner because, you know, if the if, if I propose something at the 11th hour, of course, they're going to take it because what's their other option? Yeah. Yeah. The other yeah. option is I'm going to bed. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know? And Michael's got no stake in this game. He's not staying. No, up. he's a, he's a busy he law up? student. He's got exams. Yeah. So, so I, I, I don't blame him. When I saw that 11th hour comment, I was shaking my head. I was like, this guy, he's, he's done. I cannot yeah. side with you on this one. Yeah. So, so uh, that was crazy. And, the, and well, yeah. it should be mentioned, uh, if you were to have Cal P- Peterson anyways, he's not doing very well. He had a rough he? night. He had a rough night last night, and we're going to open with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. with all that said, if we want to move on, that that does take us to our lead. So, would you would you like us to go there? Sure. Yeah. Let's okay. Do it. So, this totally caught us off guard. This was courtesy of friend of the show Josh Schechter. He tweeted at us during the day at two o'clock and said, "Quentin Byfield makes his debut tonight." I was <laughs> rat. I was rattled. I shouldn't have been rattled. It shouldn't have been a surprise because it's it seems like everyone's making their NHL debut now this week. But uh, I, I just I heard the news. I, I was immediately, you know, perplexed. And I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be a, an amazing night of hockey. And um, I mean, like I told him, it was a date. The two of us have, have, have had circled for at least the last two plus years. Me, two years. You probably way more than that. Four years, five years. Uh, you having known him since playing in, uh, in Aurora. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, lots of uh, lots of attention it got, and uh, I mean, I guess I will just start by saying, and I'll just I'll tell you based on what I think and what basically everyone in southern Southern California thinks right now. This was the consensus opinion, and I watched the yeah. whole game for the record. I was up that's till, what I was wondering up till one in the morning. It was hard to stay up. I had a long day. Yeah, um, yeah. 
but I, I did stay up nonetheless. I, I won't lie. I was, I was skipping every so often just to see his shifts because I didn't yep. really care about anything else. Yep. Short and sweet. It was an outstanding debut for Quentin Byfield. Mm. Um, I, I, I may have been hard on him when I, when I posted what I said in the group chat in the first period. But all of all said, like when I reflect and I look at my notes, uh, I think it was a outstanding debut. You literally could not ask for more out of an NHL debut than than how he did. Uh, yeah. We're talking seventeen fifty seven time on ice, four shots on goal, eight for twelve in the faceoff zone, four wow. for four, four for four in defensive zone draws, uh, penalty kill minutes. First power play minutes playing the top circle. Um, he was all over the place. I was really glad to see uh, Todd McClellan putting him in. Uh, just some, you know, just some, you know, observations. I had the skating. He just looks at home from the first shift. I mean, he just looks like an NHL player with it, with his skating. He 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 looks like a, he's just he's he's one of those big six four players, but he actually looks like he has potential to be great. He's he's mm. built like a like a Tage Thompson in Buffalo, but he's actually a much better player than a Tage Thompson in Buffalo. You know, <laughs> yeah. And 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 the the you know the, the hands are still raw when he got the puck. You definitely saw some nerves. You know, he mm-hmm. he he wouldn't really know what to do sometimes or and all that, but. You know, generally his playmaking was really good. Like he'd he'd make nice reverse passes. He'd be skating forward, and then he'd make a nice reverse pass, almost catching his his teammates off guards. Uh, he made some really smart plays where you know he'd he'd go from being in a stationary position to to making a nice little pivot, getting open, getting a nice shot in front of the net. Um, and and on the power play, he just like cradling the puck, like he'd receive a pass, he'd cradle it really nicely. He then make a pass to Dowdy or Kopitar. He he looked like he had been practicing with those guys for a while. Um, mm. so I just I was very impressed, and uh, I think you you take those negatives, like the raw factors, out of it, and I think you just look at the objective facts for what they are, and. All in all, you know, it wasn't there wasn't a Tim Stutzel beautiful goal. There wasn't a Tim Stutzel power play goal. But I don't really need to see that. I just need to see some touches with the puck. A guy who looks comfortable. And all in all, for a first game, I I was I was a, I was pleasantly surprised. I thought it would take longer for him to show me what he showed me last night. Yeah, no, and and I'll be candid here. I watched only one period of the game. I was tuckered out, and I, mm-hmm. I couldn't last. Um, but you saw what I said in the group chat. Uh, yeah. He was noticeable right away. Like, he's got that kind of funny, hunched-over kind of skating style. If you notice, he's kind of like the hunchback. He's the exact opposite of, of what Jack Eichel looks like, uh, right. in my opinion. But, uh, yeah, centering the second line, and uh, his speed was noticeable right away. He, he moves really, really well out there. Uh, his hands were were on point, uh, just like I mentioned in the chat. And what I noticed, Nick, was the, the main thing that surprised me. I thought this was going to be a kid really nervous and really kind of maybe caught up with the moment. But surprisingly, I, I didn't see that he was shy at all. Like maybe he had some nerves on some of his touches with the hands. But, uh, you know, he he, tra- he he carried the puck. He He tried... To make some some dangles out there, he tried to make some pretty difficult uh, levels of play. Um, I was impressed, and then you you see the the four shots that he had too. So I was uh, I was really surprised on the confidence scale. He was far more to the right uh, on that spectrum than than I would have uh, than I would have suspected. Um, so that was good to see. 
uh, and the physical tools were all present. Uh, and then, you know, it's just the package, like, like you said, that, that blank canvas looks really, really good. And he's still super, super young. So, um, at this level, uh, much to our, our surprise, uh, he looks, uh, right at home. So he'll probably finish out the year. And, and luckily LA is a team that has the luxury of being able to play him as much as they want. They're out of the race now. I was going to say a week ago, you told me they would be in, in a, in a playoff right. race. That's no longer the case. Yeah. Well, so that has allowed them to, to play Byfield 17 minutes in a night against, you know, Anaheim. Right. So it, it's a good development situation. And I think what can't be understated is that time in the AHL where he got to have his slow start, right? Cause he didn't start off too great on in the AHL. Right. And then right. he picked it up. He started to figure it out at that pro level. He got the system down under his belt and then, uh, and then his transition was very smooth. So it's like LA has handled this guy, uh, in my mind, every step of the way with, uh, with a lot of class and making all the right moves. So, uh, it looks good on him. It really does. I can't say what we're going to see from him, uh, this year or even next year, but, uh, the future certainly looks bright there. Yeah. And, and, and another thing, this off ice, he did, he held a whole, he did, he held like a 10 minute press conference the day before and, uh, very confident, confident yeah, young man. Wow. Like I, I could see he's grown. I've always <clears throat> been a little hard on the character aspect with this player, but, uh, Answered his interview questions well. He seems to be enjoying uh, life. He's he's living, I believe, on Hermosa Beach in his own his own beach house. Wow. Uh, he's, he's got his mom. <laughs> he's got his mom helping him out every so often. But he's living a nice life. No roommates, <clears throat> which is weird. Usually, these young players live with somebody. But uh, but no, no roommate. He's living in this nice beach house and, and he's enjoying life. And he just looks at peace with life. And and he's been he was answering questions very honestly and very candidly. And I, mm-hmm. I think he's grown like Alexi Lafreniere didn't. I love him, but he didn't do a 10 minute press conference the night before his game. I, I think no, I feel no. Byfield is a little more receptive to the media and he's he comes off as a little <clears throat> more friendly with the media, too. So I, I, I really yeah. like seeing that. And uh, I, I think it's a good fit for the team. I think it's a good fit for him. So I, I've changed my tone a bit. I've changed my tune coming from the, you know, I, I, I wish they took Stutzel and, and all uh-huh. that. Like I, right now, things are looking really good and I'm quite optimistic. So, um, yeah. yeah, I don't know how much of these games I'll watch. They're, they happen very late <clears throat> into the evening and, and they're all meaningless games at this point. So it's hard to tune in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it's, I, I hope you tune in. Uh, it's, I hope you get to know the the Kings. I, I, I think they have the best broadcast crew in the entire NHL. Uh, they're, they're, they're analyst, Jim Fox. So not the play by play guy, but the analyst is the best analyst <clears throat> in the whole sport. Uh, I think okay. he's, I you're think he's going better. a little, you're no, like, the line I, I know, I know, I know we love Mosier and, and, and we, Mosier might be the best play by play guy in the league. Which but he this, is. This Jim Fox guy is the most knowledgeable, and his delivery is the fucking best. He might be analyst than, or broadcaster. Analyst. Okay. Okay. So I'm I'm saying. So he's, had, he beats Pierre. Oh hell yeah! No, it's, it's not even. <laughs> Pierre's a horrible. Pierre's a horrible <laughs> analyst. We we just love the antics. Um, 
I, I'd, I'd probably like this guy. It's for me. It's like this guy and Ferraro are like right there, and I might give this yeah. guy the edge. You know? Wow. Okay. Uh, just, wow. just because, just because, just because uh, Ferraro can be a bit of a hooligan every so often too. <laughs> oh, especially so, on Twitter, you got to settle down out there. Yeah. Ray. So, so this, this, this Jim Fox, I'd give him my analyst award, and I'd give Mosier the 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 broadcaster or the the play by play award. So I hope you tune in and, and share that same opinion when you listen to them more, because I'm sure you will. It'll be um, tough, although if it's a non-10 o'clock game, yeah. I, I'll give it a shot. I'll try. I'll Perfect. try. Perfect. Um, okay. Uh, with that said, <clears throat> uh, where would you like to go from here, Kyle? I, I have a whole list of stuff. Well, why don't we, since we're on Byfield, why don't we kick off the laugh track, get it out of the way? Sure. And um, then uh, we'll yeah. move on from there. Sure. So all I have on him is uh, last six games. Three goals, two assists, uh, albeit coming at a 37.5 shooting percentage. Uh, so definitely not going to sustain itself. But I haven't been watching these games. I, 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 saw some of the, I saw some of the clips. Really nice goal, his 10th of the season, where you know he goes down on his knee, a one-time goal in front mm-hmm. of the net, which was really nice. I always like those sexy shots where they go down to the knee and, and bury it past the goalie. Yeah. Um, so I, I'd yet to see it arguably is uh, one of his nicest goals so far. So, um, yeah, that's, that's all I've got. So why don't, other than like what's on paper and what I've been reading and, and what I've seen in the highlights, why don't you give everyone a, uh, an update on where his game's at? Well, it, it, it all happened so quick, but, uh, like I told you, um, there was a, there was a game when he was on the kid line that, that Kako Shita line. And then the next, and he didn't, he played his usual self. Like we've known him all year, not that impressive, everything we've been saying. And then as soon as he moved up to the, to the Mika Zibanejad line, it just seemed to click in, in, in a, in a different way for him. All of a sudden he became more confident. He started to carry the puck more. He started to hold on. He wasn't a guy who was just giving it away, um, to the closest player at the, at the first opportunity anymore. So the confidence was there right away. Uh, he was moving better, uh, and as soon as I noticed he was making his patented no look plays that that I uh, I mentioned to you, uh, I knew that this was he was now an NHL player essentially. Like like before, I'm ready to call it now. He wasn't ready for the NHL. I I think finally now he he has transcended to this level. Um, now I've got a really interesting little. Um, little point here that I caught on one of the Rangers broadcasts and it's an excellent bit of coaching that I think you'll really, uh, you'll really enjoy. So assistant coach, David Oliver, I, I truly believe this is one of the key pieces of Lafreniere's turnaround in the last few days. Uh, so after every single game, David Oliver will meet with Lafreniere after the game and they'll review every single shift that he took in that game. Wow. And what he'll do is, is he'll say, all right, Alexi, I'm, I want you to rate your level of effort, your level of intensity on this particular shift out of 10. So Alexi gives his rating out of 10, and then coach David Oliver will give him his personal rating out of 10. And what they'll do is they'll do that for every single shift. And, now, now, and, and then you, you hear that, and then you pair it with the context of the game you watch, and you're like, wow, you know what? Uh, you know, compared to before, he's really moving his feet a lot better. So when, it, when you have that kind of credibility and that integrity level that the assistant coach is bringing on an every game basis, mm-hmm. I thought that was just a really neat little trick to, uh, to change a player. Because, you know, he, he, 
he like Lafreniere, he 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 wants to give effort. He knows he he needs to give effort, but it's it's just not how he's always played. He's always kind of let the game come to him, sure. so to speak. But uh, so that's just a way he's changing it. And I thought that was a a really cool little little tidbit there. Um, and then yeah, I mean the other thing I'm seeing obviously the playmaking is there, but uh, I'm seeing some really nice shots. Like you saw the mm-hmm. goal with the one knee down. I'm I'm even seeing a, sh- a couple of shots today where it's really zipping off the stick, and uh, and it's just an element of his game that is underrated in my opinion. And uh, and this guy could this guy could develop to be you know a goal scorer in his own right. So, I mean I, I'm 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 happy I'm confident uh, in in the outlook for next season. Uh, I'll tell you what though, fuck the, this Islanders team is not Buffalo, you know. Like these last couple of games have been against Buffalo. This is a different fucking team, and it's sure. a whole different set of lessons. And uh, and everyone's fucking learning today because they're just well, getting pumped. Well, let let's let's not forget. I mean, there was a lot of pressure going into this <clears throat> game, right? I believe all of a sudden everyone was talking Bruins Rangers, Bruin Rangers. Yeah, no one was talking about the Islanders. The Islanders were only five points ahead of Rangers with these two games. So wow. this this was the final kick at the can for uh, David Quinn and his Rangers, and yeah. they seem they seem to have royally fucked up. I, I I am counting down the seconds here. I am thirty seconds from a shutout, yeah. pending a disaster. Um, and uh, basically, not only have I got a shutout, but the <clears throat> Rangers' season has come to an end. So we can confirm that on the air right now. The yeah. Rangers, Alexi Lafreniere's rookie season with the Rangers has ended in a non-playoff berth. That is breaking news. Which, uh, which I think is the best thing for this player, Nick. You know why? Because now, all of a sudden, you can play the kids more. You might even see a little bit of sprinkled-in power play one time. And most importantly, when this season ends, God be darned if he's not on the world championship team. I think if you're Roberto wow. Luongo and Shane Doan, you have to put this kid on the team. Uh, for a development perspective, and because you know he's just got that uh, hockey Canada connection that that uh, is an unbreakable bond. So I think you've you've got to put him on, um, even if it's on a third line role. I think it's that exposure is very very key. So just despite the mediocre to average rookie season, he gets he gets on the team. I think uh, I think it's a no brainer. I mean, okay. hey, like put it this way, Nick. Um, Capo Caco and Jack Hughes were both on world championship teams before their rookie season even started. Oh, wow. And they went on to have what 30 point seasons, nothing like pretty much same point per game pace Mm -hmm. as as what we're seeing right now. So in my mind, and and the difference is this is team Canada and the depth is going to be there, but they generally reserve a few spots for, for younger kids like this. So, um, I think it's going to happen and, and I I'd be thrilled if it does, it would, it would make like, a real good reason to watch that tournament. Sure. Yeah, that would be incredible. Seeing him actually play with some talented players for once, you know? Uh, not yeah. that Zabanajad and Buchnevich aren't, but let's face it, he, he didn't have that look through the whole season, right? When he was on my fantasy team, he was playing with <clears throat> Philip Cheadle and Colin Blackwell and Capocaco, yeah. and it was a fucking mess. So yeah, he's yeah. finally getting some exposure, and he'll definitely get a lot of exposure on that team. So... There you have it. Ranger season over uh, and a shutout for the Goop Troop. So uh, oh. we, we, we truck right along. One more little detail, Nick. Can you read that on my vest? I don't know if you can. That's a uh, double IHF logo. 2009. 
Canada. 2009 was the Jordan Everly goal year. Wow. So I found this vest at a garage sale. And I thought for sure that this was an actual player vest because it look, it's official as hell. And it's from the, the legendary World Junior 2009 year. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah. Um, moving along to another youngster from the uh, same draft class. Cole Caulfield made his NHL debut this past Monday. Um, yeah. Played in a huge game against the Calgary Flames, which the Canadians won in a 2-1 watching paint dry kind of game. I think you'd agree with that sentiment. I couldn't finish the game. I couldn't watch. A patented Daryl Sutter (laughs) game. Um, Oh, God. And uh, yeah, and then he followed that up with another game last night against the Leafs, which which I tuned in for. And uh, I, 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 I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to make any judgments as someone who didn't watch too closely the Monday game. But I think he mm-hmm. had probably had a, he probably had a better game the Monday game than the than the Wednesday game. I, I just I, I made the remark on the on the group that that line with him and Suzuki and and Toffoli, it didn't seem to click. No, and uh, no. he he just didn't look at as himself. He was falling a lot. He was trying to do one on one moves around defensemen and was failing. Uh, yeah. he, he, he just didn't seem that at his own. And I don't know. I, I like everyone in Montreal is like, Oh, Suzuki and, and Caulfield, that's going to be the next sexy duo. Suzuki's a playmaker. Caulfield's a sniper. And, uh, need, needless to say, it didn't materialize in that, uh, in that game one. So, uh, or, or in that game against the Leafs. So what, what have you made of this, this brief preview of, of Cole Caulfield? Cause I know as the Habs fan, you're, you're crossing your fingers. He can, he can be okay. Yeah. Okay. I'll tell you what I like about him first. What I like is that he's, he's immediately got that willingness to shoot from anywhere. I, I'm sure you saw that, uh, there was a couple of, you know, short angle and some tough angle shots that he, he was able to take. And some of the shots looked uh, looked pretty good. What I will say, the guy's, he's so friggin' small, man. <laughs> he's so fucking small. Like, I, it, I have a hard time picturing an elite, you know, 30 to 40 goal scorer that is this small. Because right. if you were to enter the playoffs today with Cole Caulfield in your lineup, I would honestly fear for his well-being. Right. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. But if he's going up against Matthews is six foot like three, you got Felino on that line as well. Like you're just asking for trouble. You're asking for trouble against any NHL defense. So the way I see it in, in the short term, I think Caulfield could be a weapon on the power play. Um, but and, and uh, let me double back on that on the whole shot thing, because that's his bread and butter. His mm-hmm. bread and butter. He's got a really wickedly accurate and hard and snappy shot now. From what I've seen, and it's been a small sample sample size, mind you, um, at the NHL level, he's got a great shot, but it's not yet an elite, I can snipe from anywhere kind of shot. Mm-hmm. He's not in that class yet. He's not in the OV class. He's not in the sniper's level of, of shot yet. Okay. Um, right now, it's just considered a, it's a great shot, you know? Mm-hmm. In college, it's, a, it's an amazing shot, but right now, it's just a great, so he's still got to do a little bit of work on it. Um, and then obviously the mental aspect, a lot of goal scoring is about getting into the right place at the right time, having a nose for the net. So he's got to develop that at this level. Um, but those are all things that are going to come. I I just, 
this year, I don't see it. I don't see him being a huge difference maker. And I'm, I'm worried that a lot of people are getting their hopes up too much as, you know, this savior of the season coming down from the graces of God mm-hmm. to, uh, to replenish this depleted Canadians team, which honestly is at the most depressing point it's been in, in the last several years, this is just a, a brutal, brutal time. And, um, and it's a shame Cole has to come in uh, when it's so dull, dull and dark. Uh, and though he does bring a youthful exuberance, he's got a smile that can almost match Lafreniere's. Uh, I just don't see it being uh, being enough, man. Like, I don't get, I don't see it, man. Now this yeah. guy, hey, just a final word on Cole. Um. I'm, he's going to have to convince me that the size is not a problem mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because, you know, when there's no room out there and you have to fight for your space, I don't know. I don't see it. And this, listen, at five, seven, you're not winning many board battles. I don't care what you do in the, in the weight room. I don't mm-hmm. care what you do in the weight room. You're not winning many board battles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I do. Do you think the pressure is so in that? In that respect, do you think the pressure has gotten to him or is he just, is it purely on ice stuff? Like, you think it's a mental thing or no? No, I, I don't think it's about the pressure. I, I really think it's just, you know, what we're seeing in a lot this year and in particular, Nick, like that's something we have now kind of gotten accustomed to is it's, it takes players a while, man. And though he's, he's played through that college season, he's got the Hobie Baker. You, you need that adjustment period to get used to this level of play. So, I think that's more what it is and not so much the pressure. Um, he's going to have to find his space out there and he's going to have to figure out where he can be useful at this stage of his young career. Right. Because he's not going to be able to, like you're shooting from everywhere. That's fine. That's, that's good to test that out, to learn, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but you're not necessarily going to score a lot of goals that way. So you might want to start thinking more carefully about where and when you shoot. Um. Yeah. The only reason I ask about the mental aspect is I, 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 Mm. Ferraro was on the radio and he was talking about his character and I got a story for you. Uh, the, his, his Wisconsin team was playing UBC Thunderbirds in an exhibition game. Oh, interesting. And, uh, the night after the night before the game, the whole, uh, Ferraro invited the whole Wisconsin team to his house for dinner. Wow. So this bus, well, this bus rolls into Ferraro's neighborhood and, and jumping out is all these 20 to 24 year olds. And uh, basically they had a huge barbecue. They had a huge meat fest. Uh, Ferraro yeah, well. would, wouldn't, wouldn't shut up about how much meat these kids ate. And, <laughs> uh, and, uh, and basically he, he would not shut up about how great him and Turcotte were. Uh, particularly with with Ferraro's kids, like they 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 were playing soccer with Ferraro's kids, and they welcomed them into the game, and they were just good sports. And uh, Ferraro was really really high on their character. So really, I don't. I maybe that's just a one small guy in Ferraro. He's a short man, <laughs> like like taking a liking to another little guy. But uh, but apparently he he can vouch for their character. So that's yeah. just another note there on on Cole Coffin. Well, I, I don't know about Alex Turcotte, but uh, I've never questioned the character of Cole Caulfield. I think he's always come across as a, a really, you know, happy, mm-hmm. positive, mm-hmm. Um, hardworking guy. So, I, sure. yeah, that's not going to be a 
But Alex Turcotte, as you know, with your other anecdotal stories, mm-hmm. not Jury so sure. Jury is still, out. Jury is still so- out on that one. Correct. Correct. Yes. We, we will wait to hear on that. Um, finally, last touch on rookies. And this one <clears throat> we, we won't spend as much time on, but there's been a bit of a debate of late for rookie uh-huh. of the year. Right. Uh, of course, laugh is not in the <clears throat> picture, much to our chagrin. But uh, it seems we have a race now, what a lot of people are calling a two-horse race. It, it has gone from Kirill Kaprizov, uh, mm-hmm. consensus pick, to now a Kaprizov v... Uh, it's Jason not Nick, Robertson. Jason, it's not Nick Robinson. It's Jason Robinson uh, of, of the Dallas Stars. Now has a better point-per-game pace than wow. Kirill Kaprizov, and it, it sparked a lot of debate online as to who should be the Rookie of the Year. There's also, of course, some people throwing some votes for that uh, uh, Nedjelkovic character in, yeah. in Carolina. He's getting a lot of love. Uh, yeah. Shesterkin, who you just saw play in New York, he's been getting some love too, so don't forget about them. But mm-hmm. all, all things considered, it sounds like it'll be one of these two men, Kaprizov or Robertson, taking home the hardware. So where do you sit on this? Do you think this is just the media making another story for the sake of getting some clicks? And, and this is Kaprizov's uh, uh, award to lose? Or is this now a serious conversation to be had? Oh, I, I think this has got to be a serious conversation. Um like I, I knew Jason Robertson was making some noise, but here I am looking at his stats, and uh, and this guy's got forty points in like forty four games. This guy's this guy's crazy. He's he's really really good. And, and I've seen some of the highlights. He's a, he's a big guy, rangy with a with a long reach. He shoots the puck a lot. Like he was a great fantasy pickup. I'm sure whoever <clears throat> I'm not sure who picked him up, but whoever did uh, was loving him as a pick. Uh, and, and he looks like the real deal. He's got the pedigree to, to match. Uh, looks like he played uh, in the OHL. And then uh, he had a great year in the AHL last year. So, uh, and he's, uh, this shouldn't be a factor, but he's, he's, a, he's a lot younger than, uh, than, Ka- than Kaprizov too. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a legitimate argument. At this point, I think I'd still give it to Kirill. I think he's just had more of an impact on on the game. I think he's just he's been more of a, 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 a you know um, an extreme presence in, in the game with his skating ability and uh, just his ability to influence play. But right. uh, this guy, if he if he keeps going like this, if he has a strong last ten games here, I wouldn't be surprised if if he wins the the Calder here. Yeah, I mean, much like the Hart Trophy. It's, it goes back to that debate. How much stake do you put in the numbers and how much do you put into who's most valuable <clears throat> to their team, right? Like, is yeah. I guess the question is, is the rookie of the year more of a numerical thing or is it or is there something to be said about the impact of the player? Uh-huh. And I, I think yeah. if you look at the impact, you look at Minnesota, lots of people don't know this, but they're like, they're one, they're one point back of Colorado. Right. <laughs> Colorado might, they might not Colorado for as amazing a season that they had might not even get home ice in the playoffs. Right. That's crazy. That's crazy. It's crazy how this slowly and and subtly this Minnesota team is like, like all of a sudden this they're up there. And, and one of the reasons why has got to be this Kaprizov character. Um, 
Yeah. And it's and, and there's somebody said about that. Whereas if if Robertson's not on Dallas, you still got the Jamie Benz. You still got the Pavelskis. You still got the, you know, the the Rup Hines and the Heiskanen and the and the Klingberg. They're, they're a developed team, right? They have faces. Minnesota doesn't have a face. And this kid has come in there and he's been a he's 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 brought exuberance to their to their franchise. So uh, I, I think that at the end of the day will speak volume. I could be wrong, and the voters look more at the numbers. But I think I think there there should be somebody to be said about who who is the most valuable to their team, and I think Kaprizov wins that debate without question. Yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong. Actually, I'm just looking at it right now. So Dallas is two points back of Nashville, game in hand. So mm-hmm. if and and I think what I think you're really onto something with the whole most valuable to your team. I think if Dallas is able to sneak in there. Mm-hmm. And he has a a good end of the season. I think it's a really sure. close race. Sure, but it, yeah, you're right. I mean, Minnesota—they've already clinched. Like just like the Leafs the other night, they've already clinched, uh, and they are—they're right there with Colorado. Colorado is a game in hand, but they're only one point back of Colorado. So that's that's insane. Mm-hmm. A yeah. team that I'm not sure—I don't think we had unanimously in the playoffs. You know, as, no. as a group. Uh, predicting i'm not sure we did and yeah it's uh it's it's crazy and yeah like i said they're the most quietly good team in the league like yeah like you look at the standings you look at the top teams in the league and you're like you see how everyone got there like uh, in your mind you just you have penciled in all these elite teams and yet they're right there with everybody you don't even know how they got there so yeah we we gotta get mike on the next time mike's on the show i want to just I've got a lot of questions for him, particularly yeah. on Marco Rossi, because right. this guy is he's he's a story in, in his cell in, in in himself. Uh, speaking of rookies, because he's had a roller coaster of an offseason. Yeah. Uh, battling COVID and all that kind of thing. But we'll, we'll wait till Mike can can really shine some light on that, because honestly, I, it's hard to follow what exactly has gone down mm-hmm. with this guy mm-hmm. and where he's going now and what yeah. what what his status is. You know, it's, it's all been very. Very odd. Very, very scary. Yes, sir. Uh, Yeah, we look forward to that. And who knows? Maybe if Colorado plays Minnesota, you might have Michael being devil's advocate and saying Minnesota could give Colorado a run for their money. And all all of us. Wouldn't that be something? Colorado out in the first round. That would be just Looney Tunes, man. (laughs) That would be Looney. And that's another reason. Like what I love is, you know, those in our hockey circle having rivalries between each other. Like right. me and Joe are going to be butting heads, you know, yeah. when playoff comes around. Yeah. And I'd love for Michael and I to butt heads as well right. when it comes right. time to to the Colorado games. Absolutely, we can make some double headers happen. Absolutely. So Absolutely. the more of that, the better. And I, I, right. you know what? Uh, I welcome that matchup. Sure. Uh, I really and I to be honest, I don't want to face the Blues. So I'll welcome that matchup. Open arms. Yeah, I I think both teams would. Uh, as someone who's watched a lot of Vegas games, I think they would. They, they've really struggled against Minnesota. So I, I think they'd much yeah. rather play the Blues, which they've had success against. And, right. and you guys you guys <clears throat> could take Minnesota. So uh, I, think, I think both those teams, Vegas and Colorado, would be, would be loving that. So we'll see how that plays out. Mm-hmm. But we, we move right along. You mentioned Marco Rossi. I think <clears throat> it's a nice segue to just junior hockey in general. And as you know, uh-huh. right now is the, the U18s in, uh, in Frisco, Texas. Um, huge story there. I mean, it's, it's basically a team for those 
who aren't that briefed up on it. It's a team where you may very well have the first overall pick from the uh, 2001, 2002, and 2003 draft class all playing on the same team. Uh, in, 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 in Dylan, what, Gunther, mm-hmm. Shane Wright, and uh, the youngster, Connor Bedard. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll start by just saying I, I watched the entire first period of the Sweden game. Uh, yeah. I, I then realized this was a lost cause and I'm not going to be watching all of this. Um, I did the same thing. Nick. And, and I, and I, ba- I basically stopped it. And then the, ne- the, the next day I went on VOD and I watched all the goals. And then, okay. I, and then I, and then I, 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 so I didn't even watch the highlights, like the little TSN highlights. I went, I want, you can go on TSN on demand. Everyone can watch these games for free. They're there two and a half hours long. They can watch these games. <clears throat> And I yeah. basically just, I skipped through them and I just watched the goals. And then I, the, I watched the Latvia game today. I just went through the goals. Um, and needless to say, um, game one, the Shane Wright show, uh, lots of people must've been surprised and going, whoa, who's the Shane Wright? <laughs> Meanwhile, <laughs> I hope I, not. I, I've seen this kid play a handful of times in person. So I was kind of just smirking the whole time. And, uh, yeah, I mean, th- a hat trick in the opening game, as you said, uh, showing off his shot. All three goals were just clean shots, oh, clean snapshots. Uh, one, one, one was from his patented part of the ice on the power play. The other was when he was streaking in. He got the puck at the face off or at the blue line, just struck in and snapped one pie the goalie. Um, just really pretty shots that I I had seen in person, and I wasn't surprised in the slightest to see on TV. Um, and Hey, you talk <clears> about like, you talk about like Lafreniere's smile and Caulfield smile being the best. I think Shane Wright's got a good smile too. Shane Wright, <laughs> oh, he's got like... a different smile. He's got like a, he's got like a, he's such a young kid looking smile, you know, <laughs> like who's this young kid, you know, you're like a, a homer, jo- like man. a joy, like a joyous kid. He's just a joyous kid. I don't know. Um, Blah. but uh, yeah, he was, he was always smiling on the bench and giggling <clears> and I always liked seeing that. And uh, I mean, other than that, because I could talk all, all show about Shane Wright, um, Connor Bedard, what I saw, basically, I, you're not seeing the stats come to fruition just yet. You're not seeing him light up the score sheet, but I'm seeing the similar to what we talked <clears> about <throat> Byfield, how you look for certain tools in a player. Just yeah. watching these shifts, I, I can see the tools mm-hmm. in, a, in a generational player, like just the, the skating, the way he paces around the ice, he moves how he's seemingly aware of where his teammates are all over the place. Uh, the poise he has, I, I don't want to throw out these, uh, you know, comparisons, but I, I got a lot of Crosby vibes from him, to be honest. Really? Um, yeah. Just his stature kind of, mm-hmm. and, uh, and just the way he finds his teammates and, and just his IQ. Uh, I, I, if just watching the, but he skates, he, he maybe skates better than Crosby. Um, yeah. So, so I, I would say like, he kind of he's got the mind of Crosby, the 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 stick work of Crosby, but he's skate. He's a really good skater, and his edge work's incredible. So, <clears throat> I he's only fifteen, so I'm super excited to see his game develop. But we're not seeing mm. him light up the score sheet because he's he probably isn't getting as much minutes as a Shane Wright, given he's so young. So, mm-hmm. there's my take on Bernard. Um, my underrated guy is that Stan Co- Stan Coven character. Right. Uh, I I really like him. He he's a Nick player. I just, I just like the, like, I like his smaller stature. I like the way he prances around the ice. He always plays hard. He, he, he's always blocking shots, but he's got skill to him too. 
Mm-hmm. Um, he just seems like a gritty guy. Who knows? Maybe like in the NHL, he might just be a third liner. You know, I wouldn't be surprised, but I, I just like the way he competes on the ice. He's one of those few characters you like you watch and it looks like he's giving it 100 percent every shift, you know, just the way the, yeah. the, 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 the effort he's putting into his shifts. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I was really happy with him. Uh, I, I know a big story in the second game was Mason McTavish. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know much about the player. I, I, I know he's been penciled in to be a first round pick for a while now. Uh, but I mean, lots of comparisons to Ryan O'Reilly. So that piqued my interest. You know, if he can be that two way O'Reilly character, you saw that in the second game, he was probably the player of the game in that second game. Um, and yeah, I mean, and oh, and another guy, uh, Clark, uh, fantastic. Yeah, right. uh, that, that's a guy right. that a uh, friend of the show, Michael, has been mm-hmm. trumpeting for a long time. And I totally like this. I just had to watch a few shifts of him. And I was like, t- all the everything the pundits have been saying to this point, totally mm-hmm. on point. Like kind of right. awkward skating stride. Looks like he needs to put on some weight, kind of a gangly mm-hmm. character on the ice. Yeah. But, uh, but, but really skilled, really high hockey IQ can really command a power play lots of potential and, and, and potentially a guy who might be in the number one pick conversation. Um, yeah. so, yeah. so those would be probably the five guys who I just want to shout out to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the only other thing I'd say is uh, high character. Like I, I, I would, one thing I would do is if you go into the intermissions, they'd, they'd interview one player, every intermission. So mm-hmm. they, they interviewed McTavish, very good interview. They interviewed, um, Brendan Othman, a defenseman, mm-hmm. very good interview, very mature kid. Uh, they, they interviewed Clark, very good. He sounded like a hockey coach, like the Brian Mudrick. <sighs> He's like, you sound like a hockey coach answering my questions. Who the hell are you? Uh, so like, <laughs> it was, it was funny, like very mature team. So much so mm-hmm. very much like you predicted our world junior team going undefeated last tournament. I predict this team will go undefeated in this tournament. And I know right. that's, that's probably not as much of a, uh, a, a bold statement as what you made, given the competition <laughs> right. in this tournament is very much, but just yeah. seeing, seeing the character, I'm just like, this team, this team's not going to lose. So those are all my observations. I want to hear what you have to say. And, and the final thing I'll say is uh, we, I know we were talking of potentially us going to this tournament. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the fuck we would do there. Cause when they show the, 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 the video of, of the ski seating, it basically yeah, looks no. like, it looks like these rinks we've been playing like Friday night, <laughs> Sunday night hockey at. And you have, you have these scouts. Like it's like, Oh boy, there, there's Ron Francis GM of Seattle. <laughs> and, he, and he, he's like hunched over with a mask on. And he's like, he's just sitting with all these other like people oh, God. And, and they all look the same. They're a bunch of middle-aged men with like glasses on and clipboards with like yeah, team yeah. scouting, like uh, jackets on and, and they're, and they're just sitting there. Like we would look so out of place. Like there's, well, there's not a single person there under the age of, of 20. And and I there's know. and it's there's no yeah. woman there's no woman it's like it's like middle aged <laughs> middle aged men between the ages of 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 thirty five and sixty five <laughs> like we would be so out of place uh, no yeah. no beers no fans like it was oh, totally, god. totally not what I was expecting I was like oh my god it's Dallas COVID free it's gonna be like a filled stadium like the World Juniors yeah, yeah. this is not that at all. No, that was the first observation I had was, <laughs> holy fuck, this is a terrible viewing experience, even as yeah. even from the cameras. Like, yeah. that's what bugged me the most. You couldn't really see the game Agreed. quite well. 
Yeah. So I was like, that that's honestly what made me not tune in for the uh for the third. Uh was that. But uh huge news in the second game versus Latvia. So that's that's like riddle me this. How do you beat Sweden what like right 12-1? 12-1 or whatever it was. And then Latvia 4-2. That's the Shane Wright effect, who was benched in the yeah. second game for mouthing off to the coach. No, is he? No, no. Yeah, injury, injury. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> no, Nick, Nick. Not injury, Nick. They they literally didn't want to play him because they didn't want to run the score up. Wow. Which I find. But they to narrowly be, beat Lafayette, which makes no sense. I know. It's fucking weird, but the, he's not injured, Nick. He's just, they just benched him wow. because they're like, man, we like save yourself or we don't want to run the score. Because look what they did to Sweden. It's, it's crazy. But uh, you know what? You mentioned a bunch of great things, and I, and I think they were all great points. So I, I don't want to add too much on to that. But uh, what I will say is I'm going to dive into the negative side of things yeah. first. Sure. If you were to tell me that Dylan Gunther is, is a first overall pick, mm. what did you like? This guy should be crushing this tournament. Yeah. As a first overall pick in your draft year, think, think about what Laugh did at the World Juniors in his draft year. This is a, the under 18. And and a potential one or two pick. That's like I got I got, I need more out of this guy. You know, I know he crushed the WHL. That's fine, but uh, all things considered, Nick, this he should be a top two player on this team if he's going to be in that range. Yeah. And if you were to ask me from my early uh, viewings, I'd say I'd I'd have Brant Clark. Yeah, nine times out of ten over this guy. Gun- Gunther looks more like a complimentary player. Like, yes, uh, he does. Like a, a average top six winger or a very good third line winger. Is he a winger yeah, or a center? He's he's a winger. Yeah, I, I'd have. He's him, a winger. Like, just watching him, I'm like, yep, you're a you're an average top six winger, NHL your NHL average top six winger. Right. And uh, right. and and the where's the Clark? I'm like, he has an it factor. Like he has an X yeah. factor that separates him from other players. I'm not seeing that in this Gunther, albeit very short sample size. But sure, yeah, I agree. exactly. Yeah, like he could show up big time later on. Yep. yep. Uh, one more thing I want to add on Brant Clark, the, and you wouldn't know this, but he's like six two now, and I want to say like a year ago he was five eleven. So he's gone through a major growth spurt. Hence the lankiness. Hence yep. the the slight stature. So once he grows into that, he's going to be a like a different player, man. Like. He's got all the movement, all the smarts, all the skill to be a really great number one defenseman. And what I would have loved to compare, and I don't remember, but they were they were the same approximate age at the time. I'd love to compare his progress right now to what a Bowen Byram was at the same time, because I think those two could be uh, pretty easily compared mm-hmm. uh, in terms of their pedigree and 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 their their skill level. So mm-hmm. that would be an interesting comparison. Um, but I, I'm that that's the guy I'm, I'm probably watching most in terms of 2021 draft guys. Uh, right now, his stock is rising. Yeah. Like I, I would, um, if I, if I had to like just make a top three, I'd probably have in no particular order, I would have him, um, the, uh, the American centerman. Uh, oh, uh, God, what's the fuck's his name? Yeah, it's totally lost on Matt, me right now. Matty Berniers. Berniers. Yeah, like I, I would have him and Berniers 
head to head for my number one pick. And, and I, and I, and and the other guys, I want to see more, I want to watch team USA. So hope like when this, when this team Canada team inevitably gets to the final or the semifinal, I will tune in for those, those games in their entirety. Yeah, um, yeah, and, yeah. and that's, that's when I'll hopefully get to see this, the, the, the American draft class. Cause I know mm-hmm. there's, there's some kids on that team. Uh, but, but right now I just, as far as players, I see an it fact, a, an it factor from that, that like really is like a, they have, they have skill that to me speaks to me and, 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 and that can be a, that, that can make them stars in the NHL. I see, I see, I see, and B character just through interviews mm-hmm. I've seen. Those yep. two guys check both those boxes for me. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, neither you nor I have a much of a scouting report on an Owen Power, but he's right up there as well. Obviously, mm-hmm. he's the consensus number one right now. I think he's uh, aged out of this tournament. Uh, but uh, talk about another positive that we saw yesterday was Matvey Michkov. Did you hear about this guy? No. Oh boy. So this is the guy that is nipping at the heels of the Connor Connor Bedard in 2023. And uh, if anyone's had more of a, a a showmanship kind of first game, it's this guy. He got four goals, the Russian sensation sniper. uh, And one of them was the Michigan goal. He's, he's six. He just turned 16 years old. He got four goals in the opener for Russia. And by all accounts, this guy's a goal scoring prodigy. Mm-hmm. Like we're talking uh, at the same age, Ovechkin levels of, of wow. all, all accounts. So wow. if Bedard wasn't be, like having this WHL transformative season, then Mitchkov would be, wow. would be number one. So wow. this is another guy. Like it's just another one of those can't miss like guys you need to watch kind of thing. So the Canada Russia game, will be fascinated yeah. on so many levels. Um, yeah. I, I got to see this guy because I've only ever heard Twitter stuff mm-hmm. and I have to see him play. I've seen the goals. Mm-hmm. They're they're crazy. This, he's the real deal. Well, he's a little guy. Just like Bedard, these two guys are just very small, young children, but they are crazy, crazy talented. So that's one more thing we have to keep an eye on in this tournament. Well, I just Kate, wish the fucking yeah. viewing angles were better, man. I yeah, can't watch I properly. It looks it's, like a like a double it's, A. Game. It's like you. It's like you having Demos film us or Della film <laughs> us at, on our three on three. It's like that. I know. I know exactly. Um, yeah, it's pretty funny. But yeah, that's that. That gives me some excitement because there's no real good teams in this group. So we're inevitably no. gonna we're gonna have to wait till next week when they get into these medal games. So. Yeah. Hopefully we get a U.S. game. Hopefully we get a Russian game, and uh, hopefully we can touch on that for next show. Um, yeah. Moving on, uh, there, actually, before I move on to a uh, sub, uh, this is kind of just a subtopic. We we mentioned the Seattle scouts being there when when right. they when they were posting the draft lottery odds for this coming draft lottery. A, I didn't know Seattle was in the draft. Well, I I, I guess I'm not too surprised because like Vegas kind of got into their draft. Um, yeah, yeah. but the, what surprised me was how do they decide that Seattle, like where's, <clears throat> where Seattle's odds are because Seattle isn't playing this year. So they can't really be put in the standings. So Seattle, based on what I see is, has the third best odds. Correct. How, how do they, how did they just arbitrarily come to that rule? Like I, I'm a little just befuddled. Like what, what just gives them the right to have the third overall odds? Uh, 
I want to, and I, and I'm not sure on this, but I, I seriously hope that Vegas had the same scenario. Maybe that's their meter stick. Maybe that's their measuring stick. All we can compare it to is history. And, uh, I want to say Cody Glass, that first pick in that draft, went sixth overall. So I want if and if they've auctioned off the top three draft picks, and I I don't really remember if they did that. If they auctioned off the top three draft picks, I want to say Vegas had the third best odds as well. Um, and I I don't know I don't know how they how they come to that conclusion. Maybe it's just a kickstart the franchise. Maybe it's just a Let's give this franchise a, a you know a booster shot to you know hopefully get a young player that the fans can can latch onto. Um, but on that, they've got the third best lottery odds, and the worst they can do is fifth overall. Because as we know, this is the first time in, in a couple of years now where we're going to only have two lottery drafts auctioned off, mm-hmm. um, and then the rest of those new rules won't come into effect until next year. So mm-hmm. technically, Nick. Anyone who misses the playoffs can still win first or second overall. Um, and then next year is when it's a maximum of 10 spots you can jump. So that's all happening next year, apart from we're auctioning two lot- lottery picks here. So Buffalo will get one, two, or three. Mm-hmm. And then the rest is up to chance. Yeah. And it'll be like, I'm just, I'm immediately trying to look at like <clears throat> potential results we could see. And the, yeah. f- the one one potential thing I could see is a team getting drafting the Clark defenseman and then the following year drafting Shane Wright. And then you get the Don Mills Flyers connection. Oh, what, what that, wouldn't that be something? And that's your power play moving forward. I would seriously l- love that. My, Michael would be just Michael would be just jizzing his pants like, just, I know, oh my God. Michael would be all over this, and uh, like you and my—that's you and Michael connected right there for Clark and Wright. That's that's crazy. Yeah, and that would um, be something else. What I have in front of me here is the lottery as of today. I just want to run it through the the crew here. Buffalo would have number one uh, lottery odds. Anaheim number two. Seattle three. New Jersey four. Vancouver five. Likely to change with their games played. Columbus six. Ottawa, number seven. So Ottawa's actually done really well lately to to fuck up their lottery odds. They have. They have. God damn it. They're ahead of Vancouver now, which is crazy. But Vancouver's got a ton of games in hand. So we'll see how that yeah. happens. We'll see how that goes. Um, okay. Uh, speaking of Hockey Canada, before we head into some shotgun topics, they announced a new head coach to their world championship team. So I'm going to take a leak. And why don't you tell the, the listeners what the hell happened here? Uh, hold on, Nick. Hold on. Yeah, so uh, much to Nick's joy, I just uh, I took a quick pause while you're away just because I wanted to, to lay some more information. Much to Nick's joy, Gerard Gallant has nabbed the coach, the head coaching job for this world championship team. And, uh, and what I find very fascinating here, and I'm, I kind of mentioned to you, this, this to me feels like a tryout for the, uh, for the Seattle team. I don't know uh, what your take is on that, but the one thing I want to add that I, I think is interesting and going undervalued, Gerard Gallant, do you know where he's from, Nick? Do you know what where he hails from? What town? Because um, I'm looking uh, at the whole coaching staff here, and it's a really neat group of people. 
Ramuski? No, 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 no. Gerard Gallant is from Summerside PEI. Oh, huh. Joined by assistant coach Mike Kelly from Shamrock PEI. So we've got mm-hmm. a PEI connection going on here. And then a name you'll, you'll be very familiar with, Andre Torgny from Quebec. So wow. this is a, a really neat coaching staff. I didn't know Gallant was from PEI. That's a really cool thing that uh, that war- warms my heart. I don't mm-hmm. know who this Mike Kelly guy is, but I assume he's a fantastic coach. And we all know what Andre Torgny has done at, uh, at the junior level. And and he's kind of the the coach going forward for many Canadian teams. So mm-hmm. uh, really neat uh, coaching staff here. And then obviously the management group is led by Roberto Luongo in his first little stint um, in, in a management role. And I want to say he's got a, a staff role on the Olympic team too. Uh, and this oh. is kind of his little tryout as well. So Roberto Luongo getting all sorts of you know responsibility early on in his retirement. And then we have a guy like Shane Doan as an assistant GM. Uh, obviously joined by a guy like Scott Sal- Salmond, who's a, who's a, a Hockey Canada uh, veteran to, to kind of guide the kids, so to speak. Um, so this is like a, this is a fresh face kind of group management-wise and a, and a Gerard Gallant who you have a very strong affinity for. Uh, and I think it's going to be a, a fascinating tournament. And, and, you know, you made the comment, uh, you know, who, who watches this tournament? I think there's going to be a lot of... Uh, reasons to watch this year for for several reasons but uh i like this i I like this a lot this is shaping up to be a good strong and hey you know what nick now i just thought of this maybe gerard gallant is trying out for the olympic team himself you know could could you see that happening i think you're reading too much into this gerard gallant tryout from i mean my sources tell me that gerard gallant had a meeting with seattle a year ago and, and they haven't hired him and they still haven't hired a coach. You know, the reason they haven't hired a coach yet is because they're waiting for all this, all these f- potentially free agent coaches to, to, to find out what they're doing. You know, is a, is a Rod Brindamore getting re-signed in Carolina? You well, know, is, is, a, is, is a Travis Green getting re-signed in Vancouver? Um, Paul Maurice in Winnipeg. Uh, like, what the hell is going on with some of these guys? And uh, I, I, I think they're waiting to hear about these guys. And, 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 and I think if they wanted Gallant, they would have hired him by now to, to be a part uh... of their scouting staff. So I don't, I don't, I don't buy it. I, I, don't, I do not think Gerard Gallant will be the coach of the Seattle Kraken. But uh, we, can, we can save that take on this show and we can replay it when it happens. And you can call me an idiot, but... <laughs> We'll see. Well, for now, for now, that's my bold proclamation. This guy's just getting whatever assignment he can right now because he can't get an assignment at the moment. But for such a good coach, why can he not get an assignment? Well, I guess there's not many openings right now, but I mean, you got to think he'll be snapped up by someone come off season, right? Sure, like, sure. All these off season, you know, these free agent coaches are going to go into the market. He's got to be taking someone's spot. Yeah, it sounds like. Rick Tockett is out in Arizona. It seems like that's going to happen. That's imminent. Uh, well, like I said, the Travis Green in Vancouver, we don't know what's going to happen there yet. Um, Britna Moore in Carolina. Um, so there's definitely some, some questions out there. 
So I've got news on the Brindamore situation. We, we can pretty much put that to rest because the owner of the Carolina Hurricanes, the actual owner, said, quote, I have no interest in, interest in owning a Carolina Hurricanes team that is not coached by wow. Rod Brindamore. Okay, Very strong statement. <laughs> like I was, what kind of owner says that about a coach? Like that's crazy. So I, I have a sneaking suspicion this guy is going to get whatever money he wants and he'll be back sure. next year uh, and, sure. and then the years to come. So uh, cross that name off your list. Um, but uh, no, th- this national team is going to be very neat. Uh, there's always al- already a few front runners, a.k.a. a, a Thomas Shabbat. Um, and then and then I think Alexi Lafreniere, like we were talking about off the air, will get a, a very strong look. Now that the Rangers are officially out, uh, just for a development standpoint, Hockey Canada in this tournament in particular has a, a, a long loyalty. They have a long, um, mm-hmm. you know, they have a history of you know, rewarding guys for past efforts. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Jordan Everly has been a mainstay at this tournament whenever he's not in the playoffs. doesn't matter if he had a good season or not. So uh, I could see that happening. You, we've, we've heard Roberto Luongo say, quoted in an interview youth will be served particularly for the for the olympic team but i think that will translate into this as well this tournament and um and this is a special year because olympics are 2022 so a lot of this is going to be testing systems testing players testing coaching styles uh, it's it's fascinating it's going to be awesome and, it, and it's uh starting late uh may so it's coming up uh, quicker than you think and I'm fired up, man. I'm, I'm more fired up for this than the U18 at this point because I think Canada's just going to steamroll. And I think it's going to be a little bit of a dry affair, unfortunately. <laughs> see, whereas I'm more, I'm more excited for the U18 because I want to see this. You, you, you have, you've piqued my interest now with this Russian kid. <laughs> right. And, uh, and, and right. I want to see what the 2021 U.S. class looks like. So, um, yeah, world championships, I'll, I'll sleep on that. But this U18, I'll be, I'll be checking it on. So. Mm. With that said, we're done with junior hockey. We're going to move on to the NHL and we have some shotgun topics. So this first one, we can spend the most time on this one. Uh, this, is oh, huge. Boy. this is this is huge news and I want to get right into this. Oh, a week. This is from The Athletic. A week ago, Turner Sports wasn't even considered a dark horse in the race for the NHL's national TV package. Now it's going to be an NHL fixture for at least the next seven seasons. Starting with the 2021-2022 season, Turner Sports will act as the second national partner for the league after ESPN, airing national games during the regular season and showing the Stanley Cup final for three of those seven seasons. According to sources, the deal will net the NHL around $225 million annually, a total value of more than $1.57 billion over the life of the deal. An NHL Board of Governors meeting was held Monday afternoon to share the details of the deal with teams. Um, Games will be televised primarily on TNT, including the Stanley Cup final games. TBS will also be able to carry games, while HBO Max will be included in the deal in some capacity. Whoa! Uh, NBC was long considered the favorite to land the B package, even after NBC passed on the A package and and ESPN hammered out a seven-year deal. Um... That was still believed to be the case last week until Turner started making a heavy push to get the rights, according to industry sources. 
NBC mm-hmm. remained interested, according to sources, and it became a question of cost rather than the desire for the network to maintain partnership with the NHL. Um, that NBC was out of the bidding for supported by Sports Business Journal came as a surprise to a couple of industry sources and to many in the broadcasting community, where there will now be a major reshuffling of on-air talent. Turner's arrival as the rights holder is also turning heads. It was believed, believed that if NBC, NBC didn't land the B package, Fox likely would have come in. Fox was interested, but not at the price point Turner eventually reached. There was also a report this past weekend from SportsCenter's Chris Johnson that Apple had shown interest in acquiring parts of the NHL rights package. According, according to sources, Apple and Amazon both presented interest in being a partial streaming partner, but Turner Jeez. wasn't interested in sharing the B package, particularly with the ability to handle its own streaming on HBO Max. Uh, in, in the four of seven next years, ESPN and likely ABC will televise the Stanley Cup final. Turner will have its alternating years, so that's three years. The pre-Stanley Cup final setup will be similar to the NBA's current structure, with Turner and ESPN splitting the first two rounds and each airing a conference final series. Uh, similar to how ES, uh, the NBA does it with ESPN and TNT sharing those rights. So the biggest difference between the NHL and NBA setup is that Turner gets the championship series every other year. When Turner carries the Stanley Cup final, it will be cable only, which is a deviation from the NBC arrangement where the majority of games would be over the air in a flagship station. It will be the first hmm. major sports, uh, first major men's sports in North America to have its championship exclusively on cable. Uh, during the regular season, ESPN and TNT are both expected to have <clears throat> fixed nights for national television games. TNT will get exclusive rights to the Winter Classic, which is mm. an NBC uh, staple every January 1st. Uh, and finally, uh, financially, uh, the deal will get the NHL $645 million on average per season. That's more than double the $300 million NHL was netting on average with the NBC deal. Uh, and that's incredibly important as the league is currently dealing with long-term effects of COVID-19. Um, to, yeah, basically to wrap up here, I mean, it's a, it's a huge win for the NHL. There are now two partners uh, in ESPN and Turner set to throw wealth and resources <laughs> untold at generating content and promoting the games uh, and an NHL presence all over networks and streamers. Um, so yeah, it's, it's huge news. And one last question you might ask after hearing that, Kyle, is, um, is what's this mean for on-air talent? Well, uh, yeah. most, most, if not all, of broadcasters working on NBC have contracts that expire at the end of this season. Uh, big names like Kenny Albert uh, are expected to do the, the Stanley Cup final this year on NBC, and John Forslund will become national TV free agents uh, and will likely <clears throat> be approached by both ESPN and TNT to call games as play-by-play uh, talent. Uh, while ESPN already has some hockey talent in-house, both networks are essentially building new teams to present to the sport. ESPN is believed to be taking major swings soon by going after bigger name analysts and potentially Hall of Famers, uh, similar to how NBA broadcasts feature former marquee players. Yeah. So there you have it. A slew of news. Um, <clears throat> and it's it, it's twofold, right? It's, it's, it's an excitement because now... It's not just NBC dominating everything coming out of the U.S. You're going to be flicking on games on Game Center, and you're going to have TNT games one night, a TBS game the other night, a, a ESPN game, an ABC game. Uh, I think it's great for the league. I think it's going to create more internal competition. It's going to make both brands do better. 
Um, and I just, I, I, I expect we're going to get a lot of new faces, new talent we haven't heard before. Maybe a new Pierre Maguire, who knows? Oh. Um, and, uh, and, and I think it's going to be for the better uh, at the end of the day. And then the second thing is, I mean, what happens with the NBC talent? Who's unemployed? Who gets picked up by ESPN? Who gets picked up yes. by TBS? And, exactly. and what, is the, what is the future of Pierre Maguire? Oh. This, this arguably could have been our lead uh because it's been just lead. it's unprecedented um so so i mean what do you make of this news and 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 and, and are you sad <clears> to see that pierre might broadcasting days might be over oh boy <laughs> what a loaded question <laughs> eh? uh boy i mean there's so much to unpack there i i think pierre will you know what i see pierre doing i see him weaseling his way with his tail between his legs back to tsn somehow uh <laughs> he'll end up uh replacing uh craig button at those u18 games right and, and he'll be back to where he started no right. uh, i don't know uh the whole pierre aspect i'm sure he'll weasel his way onto onto one of these one of these networks somehow he's got to he's got too much of a name brand um but what uh what really gives me hope and excitement for this, you know, this new deal is that I think NBC was getting a little bit dry. I think on, on the part of NBC, I think there was a lack of willingness to try bold and exciting new things as, as is the theme in a lot of hockey circles for a lot of things. So what I, what I really want to happen is I want to see a lot more interesting talent, like the NBA uh, intermission shows are fantastic carl's barkley is going to be Char- doing, he's going to be an analyst yeah that's what right. i'm hearing he's going to be an nhl analyst. On the radio yeah so if that happens i'll be i'll be blown away first of all i i'll be incredulous i won't even really believe what's going on here. <laughs> um but that would be that would be fantastic i want to get i want to get like just a less of a serious tone around the game uh-huh. and another thing i think this will bring and I know people were already sniffing around Gary Bettman on this topic. It'll bring more World Cups. It'll bring more, you know, extravagant Winter Classic games. It'll bring more of those kinds of events. And the more of that we can get, uh, I think the better. I, I think that's that's just a huge win for for us because you got to think with these big numbers we're we're dealing with. You got to think. Gary Bettman and the NHL put together a strong package. Here's what we're going to promise you guys. And, uh, and let's see who can step up to the plate. It must have been promising, Nick. So I think we're going to get a lot of good things to come out of this. Um, and I'm just, I'm just thrilled to see where it's going to go. Uh, I just hope they go, you know, I hope they build it to a, a more entertainment kind of perspective instead of the conservative fucking uh attitude that we've always had in hockey it's gotta change man it's gotta change we we need more ever since like ever since don cherry left the game it's been absolute button down conservative i don't even watch the intermission shows for any broadcast Mm -hmm. i don't care who it is and especially sportsnet it's dry as fuck i'll read friedman's 31 thoughts and i don't need to watch anything else you know it's Mm -hmm. it's it's a problem it's a problem. Mm-hmm. And if you want to grow the game, this is a good start. I think it's a good step. Um, yeah, I agree. I, I think we're lacking a Don Cherry segment. And I think something like, for example, the Charles Barkley thing could add something <clears throat> like that. Um, and I, I think that would be fun. 
And then I do, I do want to see where all these guys end up. Like, I want to see what TSN guys are going south of the border. Yeah. I want to know where it's going to, they, we, we, there should be like a trade center trade deadline edition for oh, like yeah. broadcasters. That'd be great. TNT has acquired McGuire five year term. You know, <laughs> like, I want, yeah. I want to see that. Yeah. Cause you know, they can't just go all new guys. They can't go all retired, you know, uh-huh. They think he's going to be a great personality. They have to mix in some veteran talent there. Mm-hmm. And it's like, where do you pick from? And, and, and I'm sure some TSN guys, I'm sure some sports mu- yeah. guys have offers on the table as yeah. we speak. Yeah. They're, they're getting phone yeah. calls yeah. and uh, more money, more money down south. Exactly. Exactly. That's why Pierre, that's why Pierre ran. It happened to Jay and Dan, right? That, that's yeah. where they went. It happened yeah. to Pierre. It, yeah. These things happen. Yeah. Uh, so, I can't wait to see what kind of team they put together, but uh, they better be careful. Like they can't just get like a Jeremy Roenick, you know, mm-hmm. and expect to have a good product. Cause I think that guy's a bit of a, a numbskull. Yeah. So y- you have to do your research. And one thing I can't believe we haven't brought up yet is, uh, did you know, An- Andrew Ferentz is the fastest player in hockey. What? Do you know what I'm getting at here? Yeah. You do good. Well, I don't. Okay. This is a great, great story. So TNT off to a great start. This was all over, you know, the Twitter sphere. TNT, when they announced the deal, they made a little NHL graphic. And on the graphic, you have Alexander Ovechkin taking a patented one-timer and you have Andrew Ferentz, captain of the Edmonton Oilers, Right in front of Ovechkin, they thought he, they thought that's who McDavid was. Oh my God! They're like, oh, the Edmonton Oilers have a great player who's a captain. That's this guy. It was Ferentz, man. Like, oh my God! It that was seems crazy like, to see. That seems like such a fuck. It seems like they were trolling. Like it almost seems like too much of a fuck up to be actually a fuck up. I know. I that's know. That's embarrassing. But it was all over the place. It was. How like, do you mistake oh, the best boy. player in the world for like? A third liner. Yeah, that Nick, they they haven't yet done the research. I'm telling you. Wow. Like as as much as we're we're looking forward to Barkley and these guys uh coming on it and sharing mm-hmm. some insight and, and what they think of the game. I mean, they had Shaq the other day try to name right. four NHL teams. He named three and two of them were wrong. Right. <laughs> He's like the LA fucking I don't even know what he said. It was like the LA Legabuffs or something. That's I don't funny. know what he he got. New Jersey Devils, and then that was the only one he got. He didn't even get the. He got Chicago. I don't know. He That's didn't sad. even get the Leafs. It was you know they've got work to do. Is is all I'm saying. Like yeah. they have, you know they yep they have to figure out who McDavid is, and they've got to nail that one down for sure for sure. sure. But that was just a hilarious blunder. Right that's, early, yeah. On. That's that's fucking embarrassing. <laughs> I'll send you the picture later. It's it's classic. Um, okay. Um, moving right along, I'm sure that story will develop over the next few months as we get more news on who's going where and such. Yeah. Um, moving on. Um, it wouldn't be an edition of the Rink Moose podcast without another Robin Leonard tirade. Oh boy. Uh. Leonard sat at the press conference table, this from The Athletic, inside the Vegas practice facility and delivered an emotional message 
claiming that the NHL promised players a more relaxed version of the current protocols once players were vaccinated. He said that even though the majority of Golden Knights players have received their shots, the league hasn't followed through. Quote, to be promised something that's going to change, to take a vaccine, Leonard said, where some people, some players were even on the verge of taking it. And I was one of them. I wasn't sure, but I took it for my mental health. When we did it, now they said it's not happening. I think that's wrong. We were presented with, listen, if we can get 85% of our travel party vaccinated, the user rules are going to change. They showed us the NBA protocols for all the stages, and that's what we made me take the vaccine. Being lied to about things changing to kind of force us to take the vaccine, it's unacceptable. And now we've taken the vaccine to say, nah, we aren't changing because competitive advantage is outrageous. Um, he went on, uh, Leonard, he's unhappy with the overall focus of the league has put on mental health issues, especially during the pandemic. Uh, he said when camp started, we had a 27 minute video regarding COVID and how it's dangerous and what can happen. And we had a 30 second segment about mental health, about a hotline that would call, but mental health doesn't work that way. You don't call a hotline when you're doing bad, you isolate a hotline may work in some cases, but it's not enough. Mental health has been put in far in the background of things. It's frustrated me for some time. So when I heard that yesterday, it kind of put me over the top, not just for me, but for the league and my team. We need to speak about it because it's not just players, but coaches and everybody else. We need to start thinking about mental health part of this stuff and get back to normal when we're vaccinated because the cases of people dying while vaccinated are not, are, are not going to be that many compared to how many people are dying. I've been frustrated with the whole COVID thing for many reasons, like everyone else, but I've been frustrated most because mental health kills a lot of people in the world, a lot more people than COVID ever will. Leonard edited the call on a positive note. He hopes for change and a better approach to mental health moving forward. I'm not trying to start anything bad for the league, he said. I'm an NHL player. I play in this league. I love this league. I want this league to be the best league in the world. So there you go. Another uh, another Robin Leonard press conference making news yet again, this time more about mental health and, and it's it being uh, interlinked with COVID. So what did you make of this, Kyle? is um, Bill Daly came out and responded to this by saying that no such promises were ever made to the players. Uh, as a direct quote, he said, no such decision to modify has ever been made nor communicated to anyone. Um, so, you know, it, it's hard for me to say what exactly uh, was communicated to Leonard early on, uh, but I, I do think he's on to something. I, I mean, I, I read an article where he detailed the restrictions that he was going through as a player on the team, essentially, you know, unable to go out and eat. You know, when you, when you do have a meal as a team, you get your meal and you go to your room and sit alone. Just it, it sounds tough. It really does. And I think with mixed in with the travel and just the grind of the NHL schedule, I just think it is... You know, it, it's hard for everybody. And uh, I'm just not sure what the NHL can really do about it at this point. Like, they have a point. You know, if, if, if the Vegas Golden Knights get fully vaccinated, but the Colorado Avalanche are not able to because of whatever restriction here and there or whatever, whatever it is, why should the Vegas Golden Knights be able to go out for dinner as a team? You know, like, ah, it, it's hard. It's hard to take a stance on it because I'm not really sure who's right and who's wrong. But I think Robin Leonard 
has a good platform to stand on here. And I'm sure a lot of players are thinking the same thing that he is saying. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's hard for everybody. You know, ev- everyone's going through this. I mean, the, the guys in the Canadian division, perhaps worst of all, because they have that, as Pierre loves to mention, time zone travel. So, it, yeah, yeah, it, it sucks. Um, but, you know, it's, it is what it is. And that's how you are going to get through this NHL season. So, you know, you've said your piece. And I think it's now it's time to just, you know, play the games at this point. Yeah. Sounds like another Leonard tirade. Yeah. But, uh, and, he's like, not you making know, himself a popular guy. Like Fleury's already no. the most popular goalie in the league. <laughs> and when he has to have a press conference every two weeks where he just has a hot take, it like, like what gives, man? And like, Nick, if, if you're the coach or the owner or even the players of the Vegas Golden Knights, are, are you not saying like, man, just please, like we have a chance to win here. Let's stick to the program here. Why are you distracting everybody with this? Like, yeah. and it's so hard. Because, and you know, full on, you know, it's so hard to take a stance on this. Like, you can't really say he's in the wrong because we're not in the situation. But at the same time, I know a lot of people are probably saying, man, save it. Save it for the end of the season. You know, I get it, man. But it's like you have a big job ahead of you. And it's not that much longer, man. Like, stick it out. Play the games. Stick it out. He's being a baby. He's yeah. Well, being a bit of a baby. You're you're willing to say it? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I I agree. I was reading through this, and I was like, man, everyone's going through the same shit. Why Why do you have to be the vocal, the the voice piece? Yeah. But hey, maybe someone. I don't know. I don't know what to say anymore. If it was me, I I would obviously. If it was me, I wouldn't say anything and I, and I would be more interested in, you know, winning and, and that kind of thing instead of bringing light to this. But hey, I don't make the rules around here, Nick. I don't make the rules. Play the games. That's all play I'm going to say. Play the games and shut your mouth. We move on. <laughs> Millions of dollars, Nick. I'll give you $6 million for you to play this season and you can't go out much. But hey, you know what I'll say? That, you know what? It just, it just dawned on me. You say you can't interact with your teammates. You're on the fuck. Every practice, every game, every workout session, you can interact with your teammates. Like, honestly, you're seeing more people than you and I are. So it can't be that bad. But hey... I don't want to dive too deep, you know, man, you're staying at the four seasons hotel. You're eating really nice steak and potato meals. Like, yeah, like, like I, don't, I don't need to. We're all we're all going through a rough time here. All right. Like everybody is. So, yeah. Why do you have to draw attention to yourself? Just worry, you're worry s- about the games and we're all going to get out of this <laughs> together. You know, you're seeing your buddies, man. You're seeing your buddies every day. I guess they're not as buddies. Maybe not. You know what? Maybe no one. Maybe likes that's Leonard. it. Maybe that. Maybe he's got a bunch of friends that are not on the team. You know, and he liked to see them. Yeah. So hey, if it was that serious for him, I'm sure he'd still would. I'm mm-hmm. sure he'd still find a way to sneak out. You know. I don't know, man. This is hard. But I'm on your side on this. I think he's being a little bit of a baby because everyone's going through it in the whole world. It's not NHL. 
everybody's going through it. And, and Bill Daly says the NHL didn't promise shit. So I don't know who I'm believing here. And he's, you know, I, I have a hard time believing his mental health deep up in a bad place because he's playing phenomenal. He's 11, one and two since that injury of his. I know in the beginning of the year, you were saying, oh, Nick, what a terrible keeper. You kept Leonard. <laughs> <laughs> now, now he's 11-1-2 with like a 180 GAA and a 930 save percent. So those those pundits here can shut it. Nick, I'll ask you this. Who's the starter for the playoffs? Robin Leonard. Bullshit. <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> This guy's about to go off of, since, off since the rails. He's come back from injury. He has statistically been a better goaltender than Mark Andre Fleury. But how can you stab Fleury in the back exactly. with a sword when he, when once he, when again? He took you, when he took you where you were when Lemoner was injured, I agree with that sentiment. They're I do first. Agree. They've won ten in a row. Yeah, I know. They're first. I know. They're first. Uh, and Fleury I, has done. Not, he hasn't piped up and complained about anything. I think that he might, should, yeah, this might be he has the, shown the utmost character. This might be the, the determining factor DeBoer looks at. He sees the way he's complaining. how he's being a baby. how he's holding these press conferences. He's drawing too much attention to the, to the team when they should just be worried about the game. He's t- too much attention to off ice stuff. And this might come up to stab him in the back. So we'll see. Yeah, I'm, I'm just wondering what Gary Bettman is cursing at Robin Leonard to his wife as he goes, as he tucks in at, for the night, you know? Like you know, when the, the you know an older couple is settling down for the night and and they're talking about their day, and she's like, "What happened with your day, sweetie?" And he's like, "Well, this fucking Robin Leonard is <laughs> piping up too much in this COVID bullshit. He's full of shit, right?" And that's not me talking. That's that's Gary. So don't get mad at me. Sure. <laughs> um. All right. Well, we move along. <laughs> Um, speaking of mental health, oh Jesus, Jonathan Duran is taking a leave of absence. The Montreal Canadiens are without Jonathan Drouin for the foreseeable future. Yeah, the forward has taken an indefinite leave of absence from the team. Quote The most important thing for now is Joe taking time of what he needs to take care of himself. Had Habs coach Dominic <coughs> Charm said. When I heard his name this morning, I don't think hockey. I think about the person. I'm not going to get into details. All that I wish for him is that he does what he needs to do, that he takes care of his business. We are going, we are with him. We support him. His teammates support him. We're a team and we're going to remain a team. Duran is in his fourth season with the Habs and has scored 23 goals in 44 games with the team this year. He's been out of the lineup since April 21. Joanne has subsequently been placed on LTIR. I don't want to get into details, said Habs forward Philip Deneau. It's a delicate situation. It's his private life. It's not easy. We're sad for Joe. I know what it's like to play in Montreal. This is his life. I worry about Joe. He's my friend. We are Quebecers together in Montreal. But I sometimes there are things more important than hockey. So there we go. That's all we get from the media. It's a very ominous, ominous message. Um, this, of course, is your favorite player in the world. So, what do you, uh, what, what, do, what did you make of this? Did you get <clears throat> depressed yourself? Did your mental health take a hit reading this? Yeah, no, you, uh, ominous is correct. I, I was deeply troubled when I heard about this news because 
No, I, I know in the weeks, in the days and weeks leading up to this news, he was getting piled on like no player has been piled on in the last five years on any team. Like if, if Toronto thinks William Nylander gets piled on in this city, it's not close. So, oh my God, I, I don't know what to make of this to me. What, and, and obviously it's all very tight lipped. So I don't have any insight. All I have is, is my opinion of what I think has gone down. To be honest, what I think happened, Nick, Jonathan Drouin was having a, a great season before they got hit by the COVID bug. Like, like I had him on my team most of the year. He was really putting in the effort. He looked great. I said it on the show many times. The COVID break happened. He came back and it just wasn't the same. He, he seemed to be falling into the tropes uh, that everyone kind of jumped on. And then the team started losing. You know, when they started getting into those back-to-back games, they got tired. They started losing. People are pointing fingers. And, and, and inevitably, yes, because like, okay, the whole team is struggling. There's no doubt about that. They can't score. And then everyone looks at Jonathan Duran because he has the second highest cap hit on the, of, of all the forwards. And they're like, oh, you have two goals. And then you heard the quote about, oh, but there's a column next to the goals to the right. It's, it's the assist column. We've all heard that quote. And no, I didn't like that quote whatsoever. But uh, you know what? It's, it's the classic thing. Everyone's pointing the fingers at Joe. And it's, it's an immense level of pressure. And, and honestly, I, I think he's not in the lineup today because he got tired of it. Like, how much can you take from a fan base? Can you imagine after every loss the Canadians take as a team? Now, Shea Weber gets to come out and say, well, you, you know, I'm not going to comment on my own play because it's a team game. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, well, it's Shea Weber. We, we got to listen to this guy. Like, don't push him. He's had a, a brilliant career. But for Jonathan Drouin, he's taking all the heat. Like, no one is scoring. No one is scoring except for Toffoli and Anderson. Gallagher's out. No one is scoring. But yet, let's look at this guy. And you know what? Uh, like, first half of the season, he was one of their best players. Suzuki has fallen off a cliff. Like, it's just everyone is struggling. But And, and imagine this, Nick. Imagine you play your games, your team loses, and you are walking home. You, you get to your, your bed. You, you put your head on the pillow. You pull out your phone. And you have six death threats every every single time you lose. Like I'm this, the amount of scrutiny this guy gets is probably uncanny. We don't know the half of it. Uh, his DMs are probably loaded with you know angry French Canadians, which is never a good time. Uh, it's just like this guy needs he needs out, man. He needs out, but he's he's never going to be willing to say like I can't play here. Because he's already done that once. He's played that card. It got him to his favorite, his favorite city. And, let, and, and I'll admit, I don't think Jonathan Drouin has the mental fortitude to be a Quebecer playing in Montreal. You need to be a special, you need to be a different breed. You need to be cut from a different cloth. I think he's a great player. I think he's very skilled. But I think that he, he, he's not that guy. He's not that center marquee you know, can't miss Quebec player. It's just, he, it's not, it's not him. So, you know what? I, what's best for the player is probably a change of scenery. 
do I think he's going to be back for the playoffs? Yes, I do. I think he's going to show up for the playoffs. I think this is going to be him waiting out the regular season and hopefully finding himself uh, in, in terms of mental health. Like Robin Leonard can go take a hike, you know, like Jonathan Druan has all the rights to be talking about mental health. Robin Leonard is going through something everyone's going through. Nobody in this league is going through what Jonathan Druan is going through. And some of it, yes, he might, he might deserve on, on the occasional night where, where he might make a defensive lapse or, or you know a lack of effort in some key area of a game. It happens, yes, and maybe it happens more than average with this player, but it gets magnified by the nth degree with this player, and it's, uh, it's, it's troubling. I didn't think it would come to this, but uh, things have just gotten so extreme. So... I don't know what to make of it. I'll be monitoring it closely. And if they make the playoffs, I, it's a hard read, man, because I think he feels like the fan base has really turned on him. So he must be thinking, why the fuck do I come back and play for you? But it's hard, man. I, I, I don't have a read, but I think he'll be back for playoffs. I really do. But it, it's a sticky, sticky situation. Mm-hmm. It's, it's honey in the summer, like all over your hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's sticky. Yeah, I feel bad for the guy. I've always been, a, you know, I've always laughed at his expense. You know, I sent you those Ferraro takes this past week. I, yeah. Ray, was, Ray was calling him out and chirping him. Um, yeah. and, and everyone's making fun of him, even professional analysts. So it's, uh, it's not an mm-hmm. easy, not easy shoes to fill right now if you're, if you're uh, in Jonathan Duran's shoes. So, um, we wish him the best. I all jokes aside, I, uh, I, I, uh, I, I really rescind the way I've been treating him the past week. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I hope I hope he gets better. And you know what, Nick? Uh, hypothetical here. What if what if Jonathan Duran was the guy that had COVID? Comes back, mm-hmm. not a hundred percent. Gets piled on after having a great first half of the season. That's that's bad, man. Do you think there's a potential for a Oscar award winning redemption arc of him returning in the playoffs and sticking it to the Toronto Maple Leafs in the opening round? Or am I dreaming? You're not dreaming, my friend. Uh, what you're describing is a scene that only the greatest conjurers of faith, hope, and humanity can, <laughs> can, can conjure up. It, it, it would be myself jumping off of a bridge and believing that I have wings <laughs> to fly. And maybe I will, Nick. Maybe I will. Maybe I have wings that you've never seen and I've never experienced. I'm telling you, if that happens, you're going to see a new version of myself, like, like a believer. <laughs> I'll, I'll be religious. I'll, I'll be a convert. It's going to be crazy. And Joe is going to be absolutely at my mercy for everything. I'll be all over fucking Joe. I'll be all over him. Yeah. And everyone else for that matter. So much of me wants me to see Montreal. <laughs> so much. I want to see Montreal lose that playoff spot so bad, but just because I think it would be so funny and it would be so demoralizing to the Bergevins of the world. 
But man, there's a part of me that 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 matchup just needs to happen. The world needs, it needs to, to all, oh. you know, Andrew Bell and his dad need that fucking match. Did you You're see that Instagram right. post? <laughs> no, I didn't. Okay. Yeah, you got to watch it. It's, it's him and his dad in a Leafs and Habs wow. jersey. That's just, awesome. That's incredible. Yeah. So, no, it does. It really does. And it, it's it'll, it's good for the league if it does, too. Sure. You know, no one cares about a Toronto-Calgary. I'm sorry. No one fucking cares. It's going to be the most boring series in the whole playoffs. Sure. They don't deserve um, to be there. One thing I'll note. On the playoff topic, as I, I read today, there's some news about the playoffs and timing. I know you're curious about this. Yeah. Um, given given your prepping. So looks like if fans are looking for a date to circle on their calendar for the opening night of the playoffs, as of right now, May 15th opening night will be nice. uh, the, the East and the uh the central division uh uh opening play. And then the Canadian yep. teams, with their delay, they'll be starting on the 19th. So that's, again, that's May 15th for the uh, the uh, uh, Central and East teams, uh, followed by the West, and then Canadian teams on the 19th. So that's tentatively what we have. So uh, we look forward to that. And, and as we said from the top of the show, still some things to be decided. I mean, uh, you know, Central Division, who finishes first? Does Carolina get the easy matchup? Uh, that two and three hole, that's going to be a tough first round matchup for whoever finds themselves there. Um, you know, in, in the North, is it Montreal or is it Calgary? Uh, in, in the West, uh, St. Louis seems to have now, you know, really picking up steam to get that, to lock up that fourth spot. But, but does Colorado get home ice? Uh, do, does, uh, like what happens there? So still some things to watch here in the last few weeks. Um, and, uh, and, and, and we'll go from there, but all, yeah, all things considered, looks like it's really just Montreal Calgary for that last spot in the North and, uh, Dallas and Nashville for that final spot in the central. And they're playing this Saturday night. That's their last matchup together. So that's going to be a huge game. Um, boy, oh boy. Yeah. So, uh, last note, I have uh, one more topic here. <clears throat> Uh, and this happened like this. This would have been the first thing I wrote down on my topic list for this week. Um, much like probably the story no one talked about and rightly or wrongly. So is entirely up to you and how much merit you see in it. Um, Patrick Marlowe passed the great Gordy Howe for the game's played record. Um, is this something you respect? Is this something you 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 that caught your attention or did you just shut off your phone or and, and go back to bed when you read this? To be completely honest, I shut my phone off and go. went to bed. Yeah. Uh, I, I had a few notes written down here on why I, I thought it was impressive, but to be like perfectly candid, I didn't really care. Like, I, I don't think Marlowe has had a Hall of Fame career. I think he's just, uh, he's had a long, steady, solid career. You so, know? Pat- so Patrick Marlowe will not be in the Hall of Fame. Not in my opinion. No, he has. He doesn't have a championship. He's he's been uh, in his twenty years or so in the league. He's been over a point per game three times. You know, he's he's had a couple thirty goal seasons, good good goal scoring seasons. But like, I don't know. It, do you value games played that heavily to consider him into the Hall of Fame? Because point per game wise, I'm not sure he gets there, and he doesn't have a championship. So, you know, you know what, you know what Ray Ferraro called him. What? An accumulator. 
Okay. He plays games. He accumulates game plays. Games played, accumulates some goals there and assists here and there. He's an accumulator, and that's it. Right. Yeah, and that's a good word for it, I guess. I mean, if you're looking for a good catch-all word, I think that that fits. And uh, it kind of it made me think, like, there's a lot of this whole you know, buzz being around Joe Thornton and all that with the Leafs and then how, you know, you need these guys to win. But do you consider Jumbo Joe and Patrick Marlowe um, guys that you need to win? Like these guys have been there, done that, but never won. Like, are we like, do they know how to win? I don't, I don't think they do. Like why, why are, why are we anointing these just because they're old? And they have experience doesn't mean they know how to win. They have never done it. They've been close. They've been in so many playoffs games. They, they've had great teams, but they've never won. Like maybe that's, that's a negative on them rather than a positive. Yeah. And like if, uh, if it, you it's just, it's an, it's an interesting, like it was an interesting week of news. Cause like it came up and everyone was like gracing him. Like, wow, what a record. Like the Gordy Gordy Howe is this legend, you know. They 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 yeah. talk about they reference Gordy Howe and Letterkenny. That's how big he is. <laughs> yeah. he, he's 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 uh Riley and Josie's favorite character. He favorite favorite hockey player ever, Gordy Howe. And yeah. and and Patrick Marlowe breaks the record. And then the next immediate question is, is he a Hall of Famer? And everyone's like, Oh, uh, no, not really. It's like it, it was such know, a sad eh? week. Everyone's like, "Wow, what an accomplishment! Wow, wow, wow!" Oh, yeah, but he's not that great. Mm-hmm. But it was so mean. The, the news was so mainstream, and I, I, I know. I guess it's a big deal. I, I it just didn't pique my interest, you know. Yeah. For whatever, I don't know why. It just it didn't interest me at all. I agree. I, if he uh, had if he had several championships under that belt, maybe yeah, that would be a lot better. But he's a but, loser. Exactly. Bar- his, his career has been buried in a market where hockey doesn't really matter. And yeah. when he did try to go for a cup with Toronto, it was a failure. That's exactly right. And, and same thing with Pittsburgh. He had that stint in Pittsburgh. I forgot it about was a, Pittsburgh. I just, it was that an totally epic erased fail. from my memory. He was on Pittsburgh the day, the, the year they got swept for nothing by the <laughs> Islanders. Yeah, and he got zero points. Brutal in the playoffs. He's been brutal. Yes. I don't care if you get along well with Mitch Marner. Like this is this is crazy. Yeah. Jumbo Joe, he just know how to win. They gave up a first round pick to get him off the roster. Lula Lula Morello <laughs> signed him to a yes. three year deal and Dubas had to give a first round pick to Carolina just to get rid of him. Yes. And this yes. guy's getting a standing ovation in Vegas for passing the the game's played record. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it, it's a weird. So many people are kissing his ass. It's like it's uh, like it's like he had his best days were when like way behind him, and the last like three to four years of his career have just been like bum kiss. And then yeah. it's like, oh, oh, wait a second, that guy who's had three to four years of bump bump kiss career <laughs> is about is about to break the un- unbreakable record. Oh, let's choose this day to celebrate him. And then the following day, no one remembers who Patrick Marlowe is. <laughs> exactly. Like, this is so old news. We don't even have to be talking about this, but I had it written down. We don't. We don't. We don't. 
Okay. With that, uh, with that said, we're just about done here. Uh, I'll, I'll end on, you mentioned Joe Thornton. Did you have a chance? Everyone's been talking about this on the radio. Oh, <laughs> I was going to read it today, but I was, doing the sh- I was doing the show notes and you didn't put it down as a topic. I'm going to read it tonight. That, that was one of the things I was going to surprise you. So, yeah, that's what every, everyone's been saying. Like, I swear to God, Gord Miller, Ray Farrell, they're all like, have you read that piece on The Athletic? I oh know. I know. Oh, oh, my God. I know. I got to read it. I have yeah. to read it. Uh, it's the reading of the year. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was driving home from work today yeah. and I knew I was like, he's going to bring this up and I'm yeah. going to be shorthanded. Yeah. And I'm not going to have something to say. And well, I, it, I, won't, I won't spoil it, it. I'll just for the fans, I'll say it's a great piece about basically how in the final months of Gord's life, uh, he refused to see anyone. The, the family refused him to see anyone. They wanted him to just focus on his music and his and his family first and foremost. And he was almost a hermit for the last few months of his life. But one of the few people they made an exception for him to see during those trying few months of his life was Joe Thornton. Just because Joe Thornton was his favorite player on the Boston Bruins. Gord Downey, of course, a huge Bruins fan. And he always had a oh, soft spot wow. for Joe. And uh, and Joe Thornton would would come he'd, he'd come to Gord's home in the Riverdale area of Toronto and sit at a park bench with him. And they just talk life and, and, and wisdom about like death and stuff like that. And it was fascinating. Oh, my um, God. so I got to uh, read this. Yeah, I'm going to read it tonight. It's like it's like a mystical reading. You're going to love it. And, See, I, and, and, I didn't even know they had a relationship. And when they a- and then when they asked Joe Thornton, like, what was it? What was it that called you back to Toronto? What made you sign here? He references Gore Downey and 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 uh, in the in those few those last few months he spent with him before he passed. Oh so my god! It, what another layer to add to this Toronto Cup run? If they win, who will Joe Thornton dedicate the win to? And and I think he, everyone knows who who we will dedicate it to. So could you? you okay, it. you've just you've <laughs> you've you've touched a chord here. <laughs> That's not fair, man. Well, I got to end on a high note. I got to end on a high note. So there you have it. I'll, I'll tease that for everyone. Please subscribe like Kyle has to The Athletic and read that piece. I, I, I love it. I love it when these people, like when the Ferraros, every time they reference The Athletic, they don't mention the fact you have to pay for it. Every, everyone's like, oh, read this article. Read this article. And like yeah. Joe Schmo in, in fucking Woodbridge, does he know you have to uh, uh, like subscribe to this service? You know, no, he doesn't. Exactly. So he's 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 sorely disappointed. He always when forget he realizes. to mention. He always forget to mention. Yeah, it's gonna cost you this much a month, but <laughs> yeah, it's it's worth it. If if my spiel, if my teaser there wasn't enough to convince people to subscribe, there you have it. And Kyle, the biggest penny pincher I know when it comes to this shit, he's prescribed. So there you have it. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you this though, like just on ending on the athletic, and I'm going to read the article and all that. I got a lot of use out of the athletic on uh, fantasy draft mm-hmm. week. Sure. Though I I don't always I don't find myself opening it up uh, all that much. It's hard through the year. It's hard to keep track because there's so much content. Like right. every day, there's a refreshment of shit. Yeah, and yeah. and how do you keep up? And and that's why I fall for it. Like I wish I had a routine. I wish I was a, you know, fifty year old man who sat down at the kitchen table every morning with a coffee and newspaper in hand, and I could just read the articles every day that interest me. Yeah, yeah. my life my life isn't like that yet. Mm-hmm. So um, so what I do is I just <clears throat> let it all I let it all build for like a week, 
I'll let like, oh, okay. like 80 stories will just build for the week. And then I'll sit uh, down. I'll sit down when I have time one night and I'll just read through all of them and skim through all of them. Oh, okay. so, and then and then I'll make my notes. So, yeah, um, hmm. that's what I recommend. You can save the story. So that's that's the wonderful thing with it. Right. So, on. Uh, right on. yeah. So with that said, thank you uh, all for listening there. There you have it for our show. M- more than I anticipated. I, I, I didn't think this would be a loaded show, but I feel like in the last two to three days, lots of things have percolated. Uh, in the NHL. So, so there you have it. And uh, the next time we talk uh, with everyone, we will be on the eve of the playoffs and the regular season will basically have ended. Um, So uh, yeah, we'll be getting the fun stuff soon. Some playoff predictions shortly. Uh, And of course the epic conclusion for those who aren't tuned in to our fantasy hockey league will be determined. Yeah. Uh, Kyle, have you looked at the matchup? Have you refreshed our matchup? No, I haven't. No, I know. I know you got the shutout tonight. Super jazzed why about that. Why don't you take a look at our matchup? Okay, I'll look at it now. I'm rocking a 926. That's for sure. Save percentage. That is. Oh, what happened? Wow, what a fucking switch! Who stepped up here? So shout the out. The goaltending totally switched. No. Forwards, shout out to free agent ad. Samuel <clears throat> Bennett, eight shots on goal, oh, six hits, and the game-winning goal against wow. Chicago. We talk wow. about we talk about pickups of the year. I know Sorokin and Josh have a bit of a friendship there, but yeah. I I might be having to pick up the tab on Samuel Bennett's next steak dinner because this is uh that that's <laughs> this helping. guy. Yeah, this guy has saved your life. And I almost dropped him. I asked you, Duclair or Bennett? Who do I keep? And I chose Samuel. Wow. Yeah. He's become a stud there. He's like first power play. He's 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 become a leader there. He's playing over 20 minutes a night. What a story. eh? Yeah, we'll probably yeah. get into this maybe later, maybe next episode. But that is a puzzling story. Yeah. Because by all yeah. accounts, for five years, he has done zip. Yep. Nothing. Yep. And now he's this fantasy stud. Mm-hmm. Like on a Brady Kachuk. You just picked up Brady Kachuk. You know, it's insane. <laughs> we'll see. We'll the see. guy Josh would give anything for. Keeper potentially, Kyle? Keeper potentially? Okay, come <laughs> on. Sample size is a little slim there, buddy boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But um, hey, uh, yeah, if, if he always played like this, then yes, it would be keeper potential. 100%. Yeah. And and you look at our, uh, I mean, look at the rest of our matchup there. Still very <clears throat> tight. Don't want to get too excited. Shots, 12-10. Power play points, 9-9. Shots, 91-90. Pa- uh, Whoa. Uh, assists, 2016. Um, so yeah, the main thing was the goaltending today. That really put me over the edge. Reversing the splits, getting the shutout, but uh, I'm not gonna rest too easy just yet. This is this no. is still a lot of hockey to be played here. Yep, and, and of and, course, and... if if I knock if I knock Matty Moops off his, I still gotta, I still gotta dethrone the Josh Schechter. So that's right. Have it, yep. and that's easier said than done, as you know. Yeah, yeah, and and you've still got dry sidle to worry about um, tomorrow. Or whatever, whenever he plays. So they're playing right now. I'm going to catch oh. the end of that game. Um, okay. Two on Calgary over Edmonton. Ten minutes left. 
Um, so yeah, Whoa. we'll see what happens. And uh, uh-huh. yeah, so lots to look forward to. We yep. hope you all enjoyed this week's edition of the 10th episode of season three. And uh, we look forward to our next episode with you guys. So until then, thank you for listening. Rink Moose is signing off.